Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is episode 362 of Alohomora for December 3rd, 2022. Welcome to another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's in depth exploration of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sam Williams. I'm Allison Sigurd. And I'm Rex Haddon. And today, our guest is from another podcast, Dialogue Alley. How are you doing today, Melanie? I'm doing great, guys. How's everybody? Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you. If you could tell us a little bit more about yourselves, Hogwarts House, how you got into Potter, stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I am a very proud Hufflepuff. <gasps> Yay! Um, and I started reading the Harry Potter books um, when they first came out. So way back when. Um, and have just been reading the series kind of as everything came out. I had a little bit of a pause um, after book six where I stopped reading them because someone uh, let slip a big spoiler. So I took, I took a little break, but got back into everything in college. And I actually started collecting Harry Potter books, which is what led into my podcast, which is Dialogue Alley, where we talk about Harry Potter book collecting and Harry Potter translations, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. What is the rarest, like, copy you have or um, the most exciting <laughs> i mean i feel like i feel like that is very subjective but um <laughs> i probably the rarest and one of the coolest books that i have is a copy of harry potter translation in it's in asturian um Ooh. so mm. that's it's a spanish dialect and there were only 700 of them printed so it makes it almost as rare as a first edition first printing of philosopher's stone it's a really rare book not a lot wow. of people know about it and it has really amazing unique cover art and it is just an absolute gem in my collection so it is it's a goodie that's awesome. that's awesome that's really cool now i have a question I know everyone makes a big deal about Elvis being the French middle name, 
But are there any <laughs> other, you know, strange creations around Voldemort's real name that you find in the other translations? Or is Elvis like the big deal? Oh, oh, I think that that's that is a pretty good one. There are some other really fun just translation things in general. I know um, like the French translation has a lot of interesting changes that are I'm, I'm pretty sure Hufflepuff is like hoofle poof in French, which just sounds adorable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and there, there are a lot of other little really cute Easter egg type things throughout the series where they change certain things in different translations. But I'm going to change my house now. I got to be a hoofle poof. I love that. Deco. <laughs> That's awesome. This episode is a chapter revisit of Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone, depending on where you're from. Chapter 13, <laughs> Nicholas Flamel. Which translation do you have? <laughs> and make sure you read the chapter before listening. And um, on episode six with hosts Noah, Kat, and Caleb, and special guest Steve Vander Ark, who's the author of the Harry Potter lexicon, were on the first episode of this chapter. And this was suggested by Brent Tiveld. Is this really the last time we did that? We talked about this chapter was episode six. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't like look into it. So Ooh. I don't know, but that's what the doc says. So that's why I said it. <laughs> the doc knows all. I, you guys know I'm terrible at remembering what episodes things happen on. <laughs> they all kind of just blend. Um, but wow, if that, that's a long time. But. It's a long time. I think whenever we do like Sorcerer's Stone chapters, it's always episodes less than like 20. Yeah, because we because we did we did them so quickly there at the beginning because they were also um, double chapters like yeah, in episode yeah. six was 13 and 14, I believe. Mm -hmm. But no matter how long it's been, <laughs> we still love our Patreons, by the way, because this episode is sponsored by our good friend, David Butt. Yay! Yay! Thank you, David. Yes. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you get an ad-free version of the show. Uh, you get bonus audio, behind-the-scenes glimpses, extra episodes, and more. And it starts at as little as $2 a month. So go to patreon.com slash alohomora to find out more about how you can become a Patreon. And now it's time for our shout out Maxima from episode 360. Absent minded Raven wrote a couple of different things, but I'm going to focus on the uh, lesson or uh, comments around the Thestral lesson. Absent minded Raven wrote, I do have a concern about the Thestral lesson, but it's not to do with safety. Parentheses. There's a saying that regulations are written in blood. And given that magic seems to protect both from harm and make healing easy, it's not surprising that there are less safety regulations in the wizarding world. End parentheses. I agree that it would work better with an introductory theory session before the practical, but my concerns is, what if no one in the class can see them? Having a mixture of can, cannot see, aids in making the lesson memorable, and encourages the students to talk about it later, e.g. asking another student to describe them. But there's no guarantee that an average class of teenage magical kids will have any that know about death. 
They may be old enough to grasp the concept, but given the longevity of magical folk, most of their elderly relatives are probably still healthy and hardy. Especially for Harry's cohort, the majority of losses would have been from Voldemort's first rise, which they'd be too young to remember. End comment. Oh, this is fascinating. I never thought about yeah. that. I've never thought about, like, a class having no one before. Now, though, I'm just picturing, like, goggles that would let them see <laughs> the festivals Some... that they have to, like, put on. <laughs> someone snipped a little bit of the curtain from the ministry. How would those goggles work, though? Someone, someone would have to have snipped the curtain from the ministry and, like, placed them yeah. into some glass and put the goggles into your into the mechanism. That's genius. And also terrifying because if the if the glass breaks and you touch the curtain, then suddenly you're dead too. Oh. Oh. Is it the curtain though or is it the arch? That's always the question. Yeah. Fair point. So maybe they have to put a little bit of mini arch in the goggles. <laughs> That's a terrifying turn either way. Yeah. Or would they just put like a white bed sheet over the Thestrals? <laughs> old school ghost costume yeah now it needs now like it needs it. to be a halloween lesson only like during the month of october like let's go th- see thestrals and here they are Ooh. honestly it would be kind of cute though <laughs> that'd be hilarious and terrifying i kind of wonder too like how how death would like obviously it doesn't it doesn't work to see a spider being killed by avada kedavra because they all see a spider killed by moody so is it right. only human death? Yeah, no, I think it has to be a person. Uh, well, I mean, maybe they could just bring someone on death row. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, that would be the first lesson? Yeah. Is- okay, everybody, you're going to see someone die today, so then we can learn about Thestrals. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little much. We're going to see what? <laughs> Go. So if they bring in someone to kill in front of everyone so they can see the Thestrals, how long would it take them... To see the Thestrals, because there is the like, yeah. plot hole between oh, Harry not seeing books it, yeah. four and five. Because you have to have he's still processing. It so you do it the, right. You do it September first. All the fifth years, instead <laughs> oh of going on the little gosh. rowboats, go off to like the little Hogsmeade jail and see one of the people killed by Hagrid. And then that's terrible. And then you do the first <laughs> lesson on October first, and you throw bed sheets over them, and just in case someone still hasn't processed, and then you can take the bed sheets off for everybody else to see them, and then you've got like two students that are still and you're processing. Like, Ta-da. Yeah. Oh All right, I think we just gosh. I think we just fixed that hole. You just murder someone in front of students. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> 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 Why does Hagrid have to kill the person, though? I mean, it could be a ministry person. They could take someone from St. But- Mungo's. Like, take someone that's just about to die from St. Mungo's. <laughs> and it's their last day. And then you just watch them die peacefully in front of you. I wonder if it has to be someone you know, though. Like, does it... Because I think every example we have, it's someone they, like, knew and were, and were close to, right? Because... Harriet Cedric, um, Neville, I think it's his granddad. Right. He we says, don't know about the Slytherin, though. Luna, it's her mom. Yeah. Well, we just, no one has ever just been walking down the street and a piano falls from the sky and, like, kills someone. <laughs> I wonder if, like, watching, like, if, if the Makuza had 
cameras in the death room where you sit in the chair and it, it, it disintegrates you. I wonder if people watched footage from that, if it would count or not. Oh my but, gosh, this is dark so real fast. <laughs> if it's death, like, what if I saw someone get eaten by a dragon? Yeah. Or is that the same? I think so. I mean, it, it's never really specified. It's just... But what I'm wondering is, is could it just be anyone? Or does it need to be someone you, like, have an emotional attachment to? So the stranger that got attacked by the falling piano, like... Maybe wouldn't doesn't count. Doesn't count. Yeah. Mm. We also don't know who the Slytherin... Because there's... Because it's Gryffindor or Slytherin on that joint lesson with Umbridge. Uh-huh. We don't know who who the Slytherin uh, student saw die. Yes. So it could right. be, it you know, could be just like, hey, yeah, I, you know, unfortunately, some random person at nine and three quarters just stepped out onto it while the train was coming in. Oh, my gosh. Like, could have just been, like, a total accident. Or, like, especially for the Muggleborns, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, there was a car accident that I saw happen or something like that. Maybe, but I I think all the ones we do know, it is... Yeah. Because I think that has a a slightly different response. Oh, totally. It's just hard to prove because it all just happens to be from who we know. But But in all honesty, I I don't... uh, Allison, what about you? I know every student class that I've taught, there's been at least a couple of kids that have seen somebody killed. That might just be, like, where I teach, but... Um... Which is awfully sad. Like, I don't want to say that with any yeah, note of brevity. Sad. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that with every note of brevity. But. Yeah. I, I think it would depend. I Where I am now, it's probably a little bit less likely in some ways. But I do have a lot of kids who have lost, like, grandparents and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, I definitely would have... I don't think I'd have a whole class that hadn't had that didn't have anyone mm-hmm. with any experience. That just seems statistically unlikely. Um, and I think with how little we talk about it, especially kids, there's such a low likelihood of students who have not interacted with it in some way that I think yeah. at least one probably is going to see the thestrals. Yeah, statistically, I think you're you've you got a pretty good shot. Still, though, I like the ghost idea. Old school ghost. Do you, <laughs> I like do that you, as well. It's very cute. <laughs> do you cut out eye holes for them, even though people can't see their eyes? Yes. But, yeah, because yeah. then Hermione could see them. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a Thestral that didn't like have it on just tear the sheet off with its teeth and whip it around. <laughs> just like, what is happening with this Thestral? Like, no, <laughs> not okay with this. <laughs> Starts eating meat. Why is this one getting bloodstained? Oh, it's covering the car calcus. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just said car calcus instead of cow carcass, but it's fine. <laughs> oh my. That was a good comment, though. It was a that great was comment. Think of. Thank you, Absent Minded Raven. And uh, you can now listen to us on Amazon Music by heading over to Amazon.com slash Alohomora. Three turns should do it. Chapter Revisit. Chapter 13. Nicholas Flamel. Well, let's dive into our chapter then. Indeed. Shall we? Yeah, let's go. 
slightly happier maybe chapter than talking about not not with your first <laughs> sentence we will find out stay tuned not with the first sentence you have written here it's not happier that's true i was i was gonna say and then i remembered what i wrote for the for the beginning <laughs> of the chapter summary anyway so it's not <laughs> but here we go Harry is still haunted by what he saw in the mirror of Erised, but school is back in session and there are mysteries to solve and Quidditch matches to play. The Gryffindor team is horrified to hear that Snape will be refereeing their next match, which could determine if they overtake Slytherin in the cup standings. Poor Neville is being bullied by Malfoy again, but his bad luck turns into a stroke of good for Harry and co. as they finally discover who Nicholas Flamel is, the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone. In a match that lasts only minutes, Harry catches the snitch, Gryffindor overtakes Slytherin, and Ron gives Malfoy a black eye. Neville does his best, but is knocked out. But Harry has more urgent news. It appears that Snape is hunting for the stone, and he'll do anything, including threaten Quirrell to get it. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What happens next? We don't care what happens next. (laughs) I only care about what happens in this chapter. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so, um, like... Prior to this yesterday, I listened to episode six just to see what they talked about. And one thing that I really liked was Steve mentioned that this is this chapter is mainly about Quidditch with just like a little zhuzh of Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. <laughs> a little a little zest of Flamel. Little Flamel zest. <laughs> because French seasoning. Like I think <laughs> Two chapters before this is the Quidditch chapter. Like, the chapter titled yes. Quidditch. A few chapters before, yeah. Um, So I just think that's funny that there was the Quidditch chapter and then we have, like, <laughs> another Quidditch chapter that's not, like, Quidditch. It's, like, Quidditch. I, Rex, this is a great point. I love how the author in this first book got tired of writing Quidditch so much that she's like, eh, I'm not going to do a third one. <laughs> I I do think it's interesting, though, because um, I looked it up because I know chapter titles are always help show where the, the, the ring theory is, right? The ring composition is. And so the, the ring chapter for this chapter is chapter six, which is the journey from platform nine and three quarters. And the connection between the two is the uh, chocolate frog card. Right. Mm-hmm. That shows them that. So the chapter titles usually help point to the rings, even if other events kind of take up most of the chapter. So it makes sense when you look at it that way, but it does when you're just reading it. You're like, literally, you said Nicholas Flamel like twice. It's like two lines. Why are we here? <laughs> Why is it titled it's this? A, it's a good mark that the, the author sort of knows what she's doing with that. Because anyone who's trying to purposely do, uh, like, a ring theory might <laughs> accidentally just be like, oh, gosh, I forgot to put the chocolate card in. And then Ron whips out one and throws it like a throwing star at Malfoy. <laughs> that would be really cool. Layers. Layers. It's all about the layers as you write. <laughs> you and keep the frog adding turns into in. Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> <laughs> my animagus is a chocolate frog that would stink Ugh. i think i'd kind of love that actually i think i would eat myself you couldn't move that would be a waste i don't well, know Well, the frog in the movie moves remember it jumps out the window oh i thought you said chocolate frog card 
Oh. <laughs> your animagus is just a chocolate frog it's a card. card. <laughs> what would that mean for your Patronus? It's just like you just make a chocolate frog card and it falls to the ground and the Dementor gets you. <laughs> that's complicated though, because what if it has like remnants of chocolate on it and then <laughs> that's the counter curse to the Dementors hey! in itself. So oh, I love that. being that's a chocolate a great frog idea. card, I feel like could be pretty beneficial. It's even more potent. It murders the Dementor. See? I love it. I love it. I want a chocolate frog as my Patronus now. God, if I was, beautiful. If I was a wizard, I would own a chocolate factory and just be like, they can't touch me in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be like, you'd truly be Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Untouchable. That's what happens. That's why Willy Wonka had a chocolate factory because he was afraid of Dementors. We solved it, guys. We did we it. We figured it out. <laughs> Because isn't there a theory that Willy Wonka is like a wizard? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. A, that's a popular fan I theory. I could see that. Well, I think Mary Poppins is another huge popular one. And Santa. Yep, yep. Santa. Santa. <laughs> yep. Those are the three that everyone's like, that it's what it's got to be, right? <laughs> yep. Luke Skywalker. I'm kidding. <laughs> he is not. A, He's a Jedi. I love Luke. He's a Jedi. He's not a wizard. Oh. <laughs> Uh, for all this time, I thought Disney was making knockoff Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so so this actually, though, this ring, interestingly, because I was looking it up in the unofficial Harry Potter companion, which everyone should go get, by the way, if you don't have it yet, uh, because it, it has all these things in it. It has a very handy chart of what chapters are rings for others. And this chapter, actually, the ring connects with chapter 12 as well. So it's... It's interesting that these chapters kind of go together because I think on first glance, they seem to not have a ton in common, but they both still connect to chapter six um, very well. So because of the kind of mirror and the, the family aspect going back and forth, which I think Rex, you had a question about. Kind of because the chapter prior to this, Harry is the mirror of Erised and Dumbledore is like, Harry, you're banned from this. You're all done with the mirror. But then he just kind of ferments on the mirror and doesn't do anything for the rest of the break. Whereas he wants to know who Nicholas Flamel is. So why doesn't he at least try something? Because Hermione comes back and she's just mad because they did nothing. Which I totally understand because... It's not like they needed to solve the question, but, like, they needed to put some effort in. But, like, Harry's... I think we're forgetting that Harry's 11 years old. He's a child. And he just saw his, like, whole family, and which brought up all of this emotional baggage and turmoil that he really hasn't had a chance to deal with. I, too, would be just totally dead. Yeah. And and I think, actually... It actually hit me rereading this that Ron and Hermione's reactions are almost kind of like they just brush it off <laughs> very quickly. Ron's like, yeah, that mirror, I told you, it could drive you mad. And Hermione is like, but you snuck out three nights in a row. Like, and I'm like, you you realize your friend is going through some some pretty serious stuff right now, right? <laughs> well, their frontal lobe isn't fully developed. Yeah. It's true. And also, I think like, I think this is one of the curses of... Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets being like fully kids books where it's like 
if this was more for teenagers or adults, they would spend some time like hashing this out and going through feelings and everything like that. But for a little, like a, you know, a 10 year old to read this book, it would be quite boring, most likely to see someone grappling with emotional turmoil. But what do you think, Melanie? Um, It's so hard because I definitely see like how insensitive, like, Hermione and Ron come across in it, but they've never experienced something that traumatic in their lives. Like they've never had to go through losing family. Ron, he goes through his, I'm the youngest boy and I have all these other brothers and they all did things first issues. And Hermione goes through her muggle born issues, but nothing that they've gone through compares to Harry growing up, being abused and, Mm -hmm. It's that's that's so hard. That's so hard to think about. It is. It is a lot. And I I don't know. I very much just kind of hit me this time that I was like, oh, they really are just kind of like, yeah, move on from the emotional trauma part. Let's go on to what's next. (laughs) Yeah, I just think they don't they just don't have any way of like connecting to him in those moments especially because ron sees something completely different in the mirror harry longs for his family and ron just wants any sort of recognition it's Mm -hmm. amazing how slytherin-y he is in that mirror moment he is he definitely is exceptionally and also like yeah his whole thing is he wants all the glory he's super ambitious about what he wants the recognition for i mean i don't think it's necessarily glory i think he just wants to prove himself more than anything and the well, thirst to prove himself all of his ah. older brothers have like something about them that yeah he looks up to and right now ron's like 11 being like what am i supposed to do yeah I, not that like we, who am i not that we care about what happened in other chapters since we said that earlier but it's true. <laughs> um, Ron, it is interesting. I think that Ron does accomplish everything that he sees in that mirror. Oh, absolutely. In his own way. Yeah. 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 I, I think Ron becomes his own person, which I think is the actual, like, that's what he really should be shooting for. He also is a prefect and does win the Quidditch Cup and like all of that. Like literally, I think what he sees in that mirror, he accomplishes during the course of the series. He's not head boy. Oh, it's head boy. Or Quidditch captain. That's right. Almost. But... He does. I th- I think what that that Ron's what he sees in the mirror really comes down to is he wants to have something about him that distinguishes him, and I think he does achieve that, um, and everything he does throughout the series. But that's a different chapter. It really, <laughs> he's is. great at chess. So there's that. He's True. got that going for him. That's that. I hate that but that doesn't come people- up again though. Sorry, we'll talk about Justin a bit. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I had a great segue, dang it. Um, <laughs> speaking of desires, <laughs> I love this line. It cracked me up where the, it's like the Weasley twins complained that Wood was becoming a fanatic. And I just laughed. I was like, no, no, no. We all know Wood was already fanatic. This is just an overdrive. <laughs> we were at fanatic level a long time ago. <laughs> We were at Fanatic when we were introduced to him. Exactly. I love Wood. You all know I love Oliver Wood. My crazily passionate boy. I can't believe he gets sent to Azkaban at the end of his Quidditch career for beating somebody with a, a beater bat. 
slander and lie. <laughs> like, wait, what? Where did, where did that I come will from? not stand. No, for I just, this. I just like poking and prodding Allison about wood. But Aww. that article's on Wizarding World, Sam. <laughs> it's not canon. Rita Skeeter reported it. Anyway, hmm. moving on to someone who really is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Snape. Gryffindor versus Hooflipoof. <laughs> and Snape is refereeing this match. And seriously, like, this is just... It makes no sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's one of those instances where I'm like, Dumbledore, you're freaking, like, blind faith in Snape is just going to screw everyone else over and it's not fair. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Snape could be out on the field refereeing and like have grabbed Harry and punched him in the face and be like, see Dumbledore, I'm, I'm protecting him. Look, and then punches him again and just keeps doing it. Dumbledore's like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, and, and also just the optics are terrible. Like, yeah. yeah, let's let the head of Slytherin house like referee this match where Slytherin house could be going down. Like, who thinks that's okay? <laughs> yeah. Because if the game did last longer than five minutes, Snape could have called calls yes. a- against Gryffindor or however sports work. Yeah, it's honestly though, reading this again, I was like, I I need to see the outtake where McGonagall hears this is happening and goes to Dumbledore and just loses her ever-loving mind. Like, just just absolutely, like, reams into him. But also, like... Why? Why does Snape need to be on the field? Like, is he is he there to physically catch Harry? I, like, he's got magic. He's there to protect Harry. But like, how? Well, he's proven that he's done that. That he can protect Harry from afar. Yeah, exactly. Like being in the stands. Well, now he can he's protect doing him. it to prove that he can protect Harry up close and personal. My my head <laughs> canon is is that Snape really wants to win the Quidditch Cup. And so when Slytherin lost, but then won against, I forget if they beat Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, but that he's like, now I've got to take Gryffindor down. And so like makes up this reason to Dumbledore being like, yeah, I got to be out there to to protect Harry. Like, you know, last time went really bad, but I got to be on the field. Dumbledore's like, don't you have magic? He's like, yeah, but if I'm physically closer to him, I can punch him. And I mean, I mean, protect him from someone is it quirrell do you think i mean probably yeah <laughs> yeah it is quirrell i d- trying to give it the benefit of the doubt even though i still think it's still terribly unfair maybe they were hoping you know if quirrell sees snape actually physically there on the field he won't because th- they had already set that up right we find out in deathly hallows that Early in the year, Dumbledore tells Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell. Yeah. So that kind of animosity has been there for quite a while throughout the year. Because we're in like January at this point. And so maybe they're like, well, if Snape is physically on the field, Quirrell will be too intimidated to do anything but to Harry. Just give Quirrell Saturday detention to run. Yeah, it's really cold at this point. But they we're in January. They play I in just all realized yeah. that. But like, just give <laughs> just give Quirrell like you know detention to go run during the Quidditch match. Seriously, like, do something. They, I just, well, no, they don't want to do that either because they don't want to leave him alone in the castle because you know. Oh we do. yeah, fair point. Release another troll. But then, like, well, what is what is Madame Hooch doing this whole time? She's on vacation. But like, why? 
Like it's it's she's this, just there to appear a couple of times. She and that's she it. is using that PTO. <laughs> she <laughs> she's yeah. using PTO. Let her live. I just <laughs> what I. But she's got like two jobs. It's teach a little bit of flying and then referee in Quidditch matches. And that's she it. She still Let has that live. PTO. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I may be a big advocate of giving teachers like PTO, but if you only need to be there for like two days a week, you can make it. <laughs> Maybe let her live. Maybe something came up. Maybe she had a surgery. Maybe she had a pedicure appointment. <laughs> maybe it's Met- that like wonderful <laughs> British like maternity leave. Like who knows? Maybe she got pregnant oh, yeah. and got to That's take true. plenty of time off. That'd be great. That'd be lovely. That'd be very lovely. <laughs> maybe she's refereeing the other schools. Maybe she like travels to Ilvermorny yeah. and all that or stuff. Or maybe maybe, maybe she's she doing coaches- a professional game. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe she coaches or she plays in the professional leagues sometimes. I want to know so much more about her and why her eyes are yellow. Did she, like, fail her Animagus transformation? <laughs> well, I think that's just a movieism because in the book, I think she's just described as having hawk-like eyes, and I think they took it a little far in the movie. <laughs> Literal hawk. Maybe, like, one of her parents is a hawk. <laughs> like, how Fleur's grandmothers of Vila, like oh like, my gosh we're like zeusing this where he's a swan when he does oh, somebody else no. or like maybe anyway. like rather than a hawk it's like a hippogriff but that's an evil oh, i believe oh, oh, oh. yeah it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just think overall, it's like a missed, it's like a missed opportunity. If Dumbledore is going to be there anyway, and he's going to oversee it, he's the most powerful wizard, blah, blah, blah. Like, what a missed opportunity not having him referee the match. Because if you could imagine <laughs> just Dumbledore running around on the field, like, I would, I'd love to see that. that. Can he fly a broom, though? Yeah. I think but Dumbledore. He has to, no, he has to be on the field just, like, running around. Like, that's I. That's how I picture him. Oh, like, like on around. the ground. Like, yeah. ah! Yep. yep. That's how I see it. I feel like Dumbledore would just, like, instead of allowing fouls to happen... He would just send silent spells up to break up everything. It would be utter chaos. He'd just be like, oh, oh can't let that gosh. happen. Can't let that happen. Can't let that happen. Nope, not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like Dumbledore would just let everything happen. Yeah, I think, he'd be he very, I think he'd be very, like, whimsical and, like, let the chaos happen. Like, <laughs> I, I think he'd be very wonderful oh, refereeing. Wait, do you think that because there is there are some conspiracy theories mainly from Slytherins that Dumbledore is extremely biased for the Gryffindors, which is why they end up winning all the House Cups when Harry arrives. I mean, so oh, yeah, think, yeah. Do you think that he would just be the Snape of refereeing? 
where it would be like all the penalties would be against Hufflepuff and then somehow he'd bar Slytherin from playing the rest of their matches. Nah, I think he thinks the Hufflepuffs are good or fine. It's just Slytherin. <laughs> He's still salty about Tom Riddle. <laughs> Maybe Dumbledore's like, this would be a good moment for everyone to see Thestrals and just murders one of the students. Oh, bring it, that would bring be Hagrid, right actually. <gasps> oh. Well, it would be Kettleburn in this Kettle, This, Yeah, I need Hagrid to yeah. teach. Kettleburn, where are you? Because <laughs> he's like, oh, we're in January. In March, we're doing our Thestrals unit. So, like, you know what? <laughs> Care, for let's spice this game up. Care of magical creatures. Also, they only last one year. <laughs> And then we murder them at the beginning oh of the next gosh. year. This isn't a curse, though. This That's is just, how they do it. Yeah, this is just a... <laughs> this, is, this is so terrible. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so after hearing this terrible news and the whole Gryffindor team freaking out, Harry goes back to the common room. And I have to say, this is a little side note. But they mentioned that Hermione and Ron are playing chess and that it's the only thing that Hermione loses. And they thought it, and Harry and Ron thought it was, quote, very good for her. And I, I was reading it and I was like, you know, as a teacher, they're really not that far off. You know, sometimes you do kind of need something that you struggle with, you know, that, that you will fail at, especially if you're at as high of a level as Hermione is. To kind of keep some of that humility and and those teaching and, and guiding kinds of things. And, and it's kind of flippantly said here, but I was like, this is actually a very kind of valuable lesson that it's okay to do things that you fail at. Yeah. And it's kind of good for you to do things that you fail at as you, as you learn. Isn't she also bad at flying? Yes. yes. Yeah, but she doesn't lose at flying. She's just bad at it. Yeah. Oh. And she doesn't like it. So it's because she's bad at it. I feel that yes. I don't like doing things that I'm bad at. Well, Same. I think it's cool Same. too, to note that like with that whole mindset, it's after the chess game at the end of the book and after Hermione like doesn't do well with that, but then she's good with the potion riddle at the end. Like she can see the contrast between something that she's terrible at and something that she's really great at. And maybe that's what like brings her to the, reality that there are things that are so much more important than knowing things and not knowing things oh i love that yeah that's cool that's a great theory oh i that's love that cool. connection i so i know that this is foreshadowing for the the chess match at the very end of the book but like i was saying a little earlier i'm i need chess to have shown up at least one more time for ron or, like, very strategic thinking yeah, that he does. Because, nice. like, yeah. it would have been awesome. Can you imagine if him and Bellatrix just, like, played chess in the Malfoy Manor? For, like... <laughs> for, like, we will play chess to see if Hermione lives or not. And, like, the that stakes... so boring. <laughs> Rex is like, no. But have you Actions not seen Queen's sense. Gambit? Chess is extremely interesting if it's done the right way. Well, yeah, because she's high on yeah. pills. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for those who don't know anything about Queen's Gambit. No, but I mean, and it, it comes up a few times. It's like scattered throughout the books of it's like they were sitting there playing chess, but it, it doesn't really have much significance. You're it right. has no stakes anymore. Yeah. Right? 
like a, yeah. a Draco versus Ron chess tournament where it's those two at the very end of book five <laughs> or book six and Lavender's still swooning over Ron and Hermione decides to oh, decides to hex one of Draco's pieces to just clean the board with it. It'd be awesome. I need wizard. <laughs> Write us the fanfic. Wizard chess queen's Listeners. gambit. Yeah, please. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Obviously, Ron and Hermione are both also shocked, and I, oh, I love this, this is, little scene. This is a great scene. Like they're coming up with ways to like get Harry out of the game, and Hermione's like pretend to break your leg, and then, and then Ron yeah, is like really break your leg, <laughs> and I just I can see like I have the little scene in my head, and I don't uh-huh. know really how to like describe it but Hermione says her line and then you just see Ron like be like let's one up that (laughs) and like let's break your leg right now let's find something to like smash your leg I it's one of my favorite Ron lines because I love that he just jumps to it he's like nah you gotta do it for real like die for it go for it let's do this (laughs) and I I'm not going to lie. Whenever there's something I don't want to do, I think about this. Scene. Think you just think about lines. breaking your leg? No, I just, I just, oh. not actually, but like, I just think about the scene of just like when you don't want to do something or you're dreading something and it's like, pretend to break your leg, really break your leg. <laughs> I love that the headcanon that Allison is now so impressionable that whatever she reads, she starts to do. <laughs> I mean So now you you know you have to handcuff yourself when there's murder going on in books. <laughs> um I think that this this Ron line makes a lot of sense. I'm flabbergasted by how illogical Hermione's idea is because it's wizarding healthcare. Like like Harry could break his leg while walking out onto the field and Wood would probably be like a pixie. Come on, let's go and just Yep. Fix Harry's well, what's leg. the limit to that spell, though? Like, I mean, because why Pomfrey, didn't when Ron was splinched in book seven, why didn't Hermione just go episky? Well, that's that's well, because splinching is a whole different issue. That you've separated things entirely by magical means, but the Madame Pomfrey says in book two, like I can mend bone broken bones in a second. So all all broken bones seem to Growing be bones is another story. Really easy, whatever that yeah. line is. I mean, but I guess they don't know that at 11. <laughs> Hermione should. She's read everything. <laughs> well, but she's also muggle I think she just read Hogwarts of History. Nah, she reads a lot of other stuff. But, I mean, she's also muggle-born and a broken leg is pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder what, how they would have done it. How do you think they, they would have gotten Fred and George to throw Harry off the astronomy <laughs> oh tower? God. Fred and George definitely would have been involved. Even though they want to win the match. Uh, Would they have done this in the Gryffindor common room or somewhere else in the castle? If they did it in the common room, I think it would be a little too obvious to everybody. And then the whole house would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Why would you do this to us? Um, So I definitely, and especially like if Wood was there or got back to Wood, he would flip his leg. Oh, yeah. No. Harry, they, like, bring out Wood. Like, not like Oliver Wood. Like, Wood, like, Harry thought Wood was before we knew who (laughs) Wood was. Oh, he was going to get beaten by a cane or something? A two-by-four. That's the word. (laughs) Two-by-four. Oh, gosh. 
That would be, oh. Mm -mm. Or I guess, mm -mm. wait, if Snape's limping after Halloween, right? Maybe they just take him to the third corridor and then he accidentally gets eaten, but at least they can now see Thestrals. <laughs> well, but there you go. Do they, Full they need to watch him get eaten to see the Thestrals? Because if they don't see him get eaten, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a waste and they still can't see Thestrals. Well, maybe Hermione brings like some, <laughs> some uh, x ray stuff so that they can see the process. Horrific. <laughs> it's important for Hermione to see the Thestrals. Yeah. It will help her education. It's for academics. Purely Hermione's academic. All about academics, if nothing else. I think by the end of book seven, she'll be just fine with that. <laughs> well, but I don't think she's still taking care of magical creatures. Can so you? So, like. Well, I think the author says at one point that she goes and works for the magical creature department to try and get a lot of magical creatures more rights. And that's like, no, this... it's just elf rights. Oh, yeah, okay. More stuff. Do you think that by the end of the battle of Hogwarts, if Hermione hadn't seen anyone died, she was the one who killed off Lavender Brown. What? <laughs> so that she could see a festival. Dang it, I missed everyone wow, dying around me. We are so dark and so far away from this chapter. <laughs> or do you think it's like, so Lavender lives, but Hermione goes back to finish year seven. And she uh -huh. and she's taking the carriage back up to the castle and there's still no horses. So she's like, oh, so then the next break, she goes to like see oh Lavender. My gosh murders lavender and then lavender's all done and then somebody tells them like oh the Hestrals, the thestrals were wounded they were just being pulled by by magic this last time so it turns out she could have seen them the whole time she just didn't know <laughs> anyways uh... but back to harry really breaking his leg if yes. harry was unable to play quidditch they don't have a sub so like would they quit the game? Would only six people play the game? Would they just play without a seeker? What well, are the rules? We do know that later on, they do play missing some positions, right? In in a further book... No, at the end of this one. I should have looked up exactly which one. At the end of this one, they play without oh, a yeah, seeker. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. At the end of this one, they, they just play without Harry. Yeah. And they get, like, smashed. <laughs> Absolutely thwumped which why don't they have substitutes because like every normal sports team game has <laughs> more than the people on the that play because because apparently apparently oliver just has so much faith in his team he doesn't see the need <laughs> for another one because angelina does replace yeah Harry and uh, Fred Harry and, and Fred and George in book five. And in book six, Harry brings in subs. But apparently Oliver is just like, no, this team, well, this dream, this is it. And also, I'm confused as to why they didn't just get Charlie Weasley to take some polyjuice potion of Harry and then play. Because <laughs> that doesn't work that way. That's cheating. <laughs> no, it's not. Harry would still be playing. <laughs> yeah, no, Harry he would not. Harry Potter would be on the pitch. Yeah, Harry would be playing. It is cheating. It's no, cheating. cheating is taking Felix Felicia. Felicia. Cheating. cheating is also pretending to be someone else because you're still you. But it's Harry Potter 
playing as Seeker. If they did, if they did a DNA test right there, they would see it was Harry no, Potter. It's someone dressed up. Does your blood type change if you take Polyjuice Potion? Oh, that's fascinating. I, mean, I, think think, I would imagine so. I, I think everything know. changes. It'd be an awesome way to get a lot of O negative. Just like St. Mungo's has a whole office where they have Polyjuice of people with O negative blood. And then <laughs> I imagine just comes in. they have that. I would think that they would have but that. But will it change back after a certain amount of time? Oh, <laughs> because that doesn't have polyjuice. The person would... just has to take that polyjuice potion for the rest of their lives. Like, that's their medication. Ugh. Is just but one like, dose of that person's polyjuice potion. But what if it changes back? Like, you couldn't do a transfusion because it would change back. And then it on would the just hour, be... Yeah, on the hour, every hour. And then your body's not used to, like, A positive or whatever. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah. All right, never mind. They, it wouldn't work. <laughs> Sorry, wizards. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. But I think this, I definitely think this is just my darling Oliver being hubris. Like having hubris here. Super (laughs) stubborn. Because like you can, you can, even if you don't have anyone that can play with any talent, it's still worth having another person out there on a school broom than, than just being like, all right, I guess we'll not have a seeker. Because the snitch, because then mean, they, they would need to score sixteen goals. Yeah, to they win, could do it. Yeah, I mean Ireland did it, but they, they had did. firebolts. <laughs> yeah, but like they have Angelina, Katie, and and Alicia. Yeah. Well, who does Hufflepuff have? That's all you or, need. Well, we're not talking about the Hufflepuff game. We're talking about the other game. Yeah, yeah, they we don't care about that. They have it doesn't matter. Rodolphus Rookwood, who plays for them. Bellatrix Lestrange. They just get people from Azkaban to come be on the Ravenclaw team. What? They use Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they have ludo anyway. ludo bagman is a beater for the ravenclaw team for all of eternity because he just keeps taking ravenclaw apologies potion oh but this match hasn't happened yet we're still just talking about the match it will happen though <laughs> it will we'll get with there. the polyjuice potion we're gonna get there don't worry but we've got some things before the match begins including welcome neville to the chapter Yes, poor Neville. This makes me sad. He's so integral into this book, in this scene. Yeah. Yes. But let's just talk about the fact that he jumped from the library to Gryffindor Tower. It's true. He bunny hopped. Incredible. Poor guy. That's up like several flights of stairs. (laughs) Neville is integral to this book. Like, the worm is integral to the adage, the early bird gets the worm. How did no one see him? I'm sure they did, but people are jerks. I mean, Filch can't do anything about it. And also, I'm thinking about, like, dang, Neville, your leg strength at this point. Like, Oh, his legs had to have been so sore the next day. <laughs> Broken, in fact. They broke. Maybe. But luckily, he didn't lose bones because Madame Pomfrey can... Men bones in a heartbeat. Indeed. It's true. Thanks, Lockhart. Gross. You weren't in love with him like Hermione? No. Mm. He annoys me. But that's a different book. But you know what his favorite color is. <laughs> it's lilac. Um, <laughs> See? You like him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> another little tidbit of advice. Uh, that is... is really a good lesson is is um neville you know shows up poor neville and that he tells him that it's malfoy and um 
now I forget if it's Harry or Ron who says this because I forgot to write it down. But it says he used he's used to walking all over people, but that's no reason to lie down in front of him and make it easier. That's wrong. I was like, that's both a very very Gryffindor sentiment, but also a really good lesson. <laughs> It's like, look at all these little nuggets of wisdom in this chapter. It's just kind of... You missed the best pun here. It's You said little chocolate nuggets of wisdom. Oh, yes. Little chocolate nuggets. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Which is, like, so apt. Well done. Thank you. It's because they're talking about chocolate frogs. Lovely. And I love chocolate. <laughs> but because Neville hopped the long distance, we get... Another appearance of Dumbledore's chocolate frog card. We do. I wonder if it was the hopping that prompted Harry to give him the chocolate frog card. Like his hopping reminded him of chocolate frogs. or Marcus he, frogs hop. Yeah. Or if it was just, you know, Harry was just trying to cheer him up, be a good friend, happened to just have a big old chocolate frog in his pocket. I think that's, I think that's I, it. It's, it's probably the hopping. Yeah, yeah it's probably because he felt like Neville was being bullied and wanted to cheer him up. And he's Aww. just like, you're hopping just like this frog. That I, I hop, to have you right have here. a good rest of yeah. your day. Here's- I gotta say, though, I think Harry ate those chocolate frogs real fast. <laughs> you know, he just did a bit of athletic feat, so it's fine. It's true. He's calorically still in the minus. <laughs> Gotta lose that weight. That's how he has that major glow up. And he stays nice and light to be a seeker. Which apparently is important. <laughs> we are just taking so many tangents in this chapter. So we're about to talk about the elixir of life for a while. And I named my dog Elixir after the elixir of life. So if I'm suddenly like, oh. Wait, did you really? Yeah, his name is Elixir. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. A little Lixie poo. He unfortunately licks everything, uh, so we kind of cursed him with that name. But yes, when if I am randomly like, "Aw," it's because I'm like, "My dog elixir." That's very cute. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, so they they look at the chocolate frog card and they find Flamel. The two sentences that mention Flamel in this chapter that's named after him, <laughs> and I think we 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 got to talk about alchemy a little bit. Right? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. I know nothing of alchemy. And, um, like, the main thing is, like, turning things into gold. So I Googled what the atomic number was, which is 79. And then I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was was an interesting thought, actually, because... um, So alchemy later evolved into modern chemistry. Um, That's kind of where modern chemistry started from was this kind of ancient practice that was that was really all over the world. I mean, China, India, the Arabian Peninsula, Europe, they were all doing some form of this in ancient times. And usually the usual one I've heard historically mentioned is that it's lead into gold and lead's atomic number is 82 so to get to gold, you'd technically, you'd have to be removing protons. Three protons, which I think my going into this, I thought gold was going to have an even atomic number and like half of it would be the magical like thing that turns into gold. <laughs> and with an atomic number of 79, you don't get an even number. And I was like, oh, there goes my brilliant idea of 
figuring out alchemy. They have to <laughs> they have to split atoms in order to get to the protons. But I do believe um, some scientists have used like a particle accelerator to like make to change some metal into gold. I, it wasn't like a lot, but it was like a little. I don't I don't know if I've heard that exactly, but I, I have heard of changing different elements to another somehow th- through those kinds of things. You know, I'm sure we have a listener who's like a chemist and they're screaming at us right now. And <laughs> like they're like, Are are you kidding right now? You you have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm like, yes, the last time I took anything science related was probably like eight years ago. Um, (laughs) I'm an English teacher. I'm sorry. So, but it is interesting to think about it on that kind of chemical atomic level. And that's really what they were trying to do. Kind of, they were, they were trying to, um, change these different things. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that either. Cool. Like, I, I remember I like had this really good idea and then I found out gold's a topic of it. I was like, I, I don't know what I do with this now. <laughs> like, I had a brilliant idea and it just did not go the way I wanted it to. And I was like, there, I, I, I don't know what I do with this number now. If you're a chemist or know someone who's a chemist, please have them write in the comments to tell us cool things that we can figure out. How from, this is happening. From Nicholas Fumel. <laughs> you know, lead is a very kind of heavy and dense metal but it's also very soft and malleable and and so is gold gold is a very like pure gold is a very malleable metal which is why when you make jewelry you have to combine it with other Mm -hmm. things because otherwise it like doesn't hold shape and so i I don't know i just thought that was interesting that maybe it was closer than they thought and that's why the wizards could make it work because you know easier to play with the atomic structure of things when you're (laughs) when you have magic to help you if you need fantasy to help you with understanding metal and elements watch rings of power (laughs) they'll do a good job of kind of explaining it in the last episode but do you want to know what's really funny yes this is very kind of off topic but like related to what we're talking about So, growing up at my parents' house, my shower curtain was the periodic table. Oh, nice. So, like, I just thought of that because we're talking about elements. I love that. And, yeah, I don't know why I wanted to mention that, but, yeah. Fun fact for when we do Patreon trivia about the guests, about the hosts. Um There's a very interesting thing to note here. In uh, old historical documents about the philosopher's stone, there's three types of stones that you can create, which the author used to sort of form three different father figures in Harry's life. So the the three colors are red, white, and black. And they represent Rebaeus, Ruby, Hagrid, red. Yes. uh, Albus Dumbledore for white. And of Uh course, Sirius Black for black. And it's just interesting to note that how even though the 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 sorcerer's stone doesn't really come up again, the documents and research that went into it helped form a lot more of the series. Yeah, because and and I think too, isn't that it's like the the stone like changes through those colors? It says in this right? in this particular fact, which came out of the like the giant Harry Potter books to screen book 
Um, it says that there's, okay. you can do three types of it. This is like, there are three distinct different stones that you can create. Interesting. The one that, the one that we see in the movie is the red one, of course, because Hagrid is most present, yes. which is why they decided to go with the red one. Cause Hagrid, that's like really Hagrid's time to shine as father figure. Oh yeah. I love that. Alchemy, alchemy has always confused me. It's fascinating. Ways. I think it oh, is it's so cool. I want to learn more about it. If I went to Hogwarts, I would totally take the alchemy class. I would campaign to make it a class and like find people. I would make like get signatures. Well, it is it is a class. <laughs> um, it's just there. Yeah, it's offered with enough. If there's enough interest, with enough people interested, that's why I would campaign yeah. for it. Yeah. So that and magical theory, which are I still I at some point whenever they make more. HP stuff, whether it's the author or when they franchise it more and other people get their hands on <laughs> things. Um, I'd love to see what magical theory and alchemy looks like. I think the thing that, that I'm most interested in right here is I want to see what Dumbledore and Flamel were working on alchemically. Like what, what specifically, because it only says, you know, Nicholas Flamel created the Sorcerer's Stone and obviously he's much older than, than Dumbledore. So what was Dumbledore offering to this partnership? My, like, my head and, canon is, is that Dumbledore's just like the young man who assists Flamel with everything. So he just runs around his studio being like, yes, I'll grab this. I'll grab this. I'll grab this. Cause Flamel can't like, walk. He's the Igor to his Dr. Yeah, Frankenstein. Exactly. Is that what we're saying here? Yeah. I do think, I wonder if, if his work with alchemy helped him understand this strange connection between Harry and Voldemort because there's there's these transformations and this this transference of powers that shouldn't have been possible, right? And so I wonder if some of those principles, oh, interesting, like transferred over a, a, into him being able to understand and and puzzle out what was going on with Harry. And well, that's fascinating because if if alchemy is the wizarding equivalent of chemistry, which it is, it should help to explain a lot of the magical properties that you're talking about. So it would have explanations for why Horcruxes work and stuff. That's fascinating, Allison. But but it's not even just the Horcrux thing. It's it's the way that Harry and Voldemort have something that no one else has. You know, that they are connected in this very strange way that only Dumbledore really figures out. But you that's know? that's just because Voldemort's soul is latched onto Harry, right? I mean, yes and no, because there's there, it starts with that, but then they have that shared blood from oh yeah, Goblet from, of Fire. yeah, that's right, which is and, probably why he has that like Victoria's triumph because he sees that that yes. alchemically he sees that the whatever it's not a curse, it's like a weird lily blessing has stayed yeah, in Harry's ba- blood. Well, basically, he's saying you can live once you kill him, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and Dumbledore is the one that realizes that. Like, he realizes that the second Harry tells him that Voldemort recreated himself or uh, re-alived, I guess, himself using Harry's blood, Dumbledore, like, there's the note in the book where it's like Dumbledore had, like, a smirk or a smile or something like Mm -hmm. that. He noticed it right away that, like, he, he recognized it that quickly. So that leans to your point as well. Yeah. Oh, give me more of this kind of stuff. I love that. I love that stuff. <laughs> Let that's me awesome. dig. Yeah, that's a great, great little find. I also love, obviously, the mention of 
I checked this out for some light reading. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a massive book. I love it. I was that child. I was that child. I wonder if the book just has super large print, though. Like, did she accidentally get an old person book? I mean, maybe if it's an old book, you know, it's it's one of those, like, fancy script writing, you know, like, the monks hand wrote it. Yeah, yeah. So it's really big. Oh. But then, kind of talking about the Sorcerer's Stone, like, Harry and Ron kind of discuss what they would use it for. And I was thinking, what would we all use it for if we had it? Student loans. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> where my head went. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if I'd want it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the gold would be nice. I, I think I'd I'd buy a house. Yeah. And I'd like treat everybody I know because I love giving gifts and like solve some world issues. But then I'd be like, we're even we're going to destroy this. Or we're going to like hide it terribly well. Yeah. Because you'd be such a target. Mm hmm. I mean, this book straight up tells everyone, like, hey, don't do this. Nicholas Flamel and his wife live in Devon, and it's like, okay. Which is really funny. I wonder when he moves from Paris to Devon. I don't know. And now we'll probably never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's fine. There hasn't just been major news about the Fantastic Beast series. It's cool. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Situation normal. <laughs> and we're not gonna look about that that's a different podcast Uh, go with that speak beastie yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's also this little this little mention here speaking of foreshadowing and other you know things connecting that (laughs) harry thinks that snape is following him and he also says he thinks that Snape can read minds. And I'm like, oh, man, the foreshadowing is it's just like so good. slathering on right here. <laughs> I love that. It's just it's just obvious. Do you think do you think if if a referee was a good at uh, legitimacy that they would call fouls before they happened? Do you think that would be allowed? No, no. OK, because you can't call a foul if it didn't happen even though you could read their mind and being like oh you're gonna do this foul like there's no way to prove that mm. anywho we got the quidditch match let's, it's drawing new let's play quidditch yeah let's do it yeah i love it how, how long are we there for rex how long is the match the match is like five <laughs> minutes long like physically i would be so <laughs> upset going to this game because games like usually these are like long times and you're like gonna spend like you're expecting i'm mainly just thinking if i bought a ticket and you and you show up late (laughs) (laughs) oh imagine if you showed up late and you you would miss the game the entire like everyone shows up to quidditch at least an hour early (laughs) because you never know if the snitch is gonna be caught because they're like who knows how long this is gonna last gosh but like just going to a game and you're the game physically starts you like breathe and the game is over i would be annoyed because i could have done something else can you imagine like if you were like pavardi patil and you woke up in the freezing slytherin common room because it's january under a lake 
that's got to be super cold. And you like, well, you mean Pansy Pavardi, Parkinson? Pavardi oh, yep, yeah, correct. I do mean Pansy saying. Parkinson. My <laughs> apologies to everyone I was involved. Like, why is she in this Slytherin? Oh, I want that story. Um, anyways, <laughs> what's happening? Imagine if you're Pansy Parkinson and you like. You you get up and you, you get all like you want to look cute for the match and you wear you grab like your doesn't friends. Doesn't she look like a troll though? Doesn't someone No, that's say Millicent she looks like a troll? Um Yeah. Oh. And so you get like you get like someone's Hufflepuff scarf to bar and you got earmuffs on and you're hoping that Draco notices you and then you go up to the match and in my head cannon someone's opened up like a butterbeer stand and you've got that and you're going to go give Draco <laughs> the thing and then Gryffindor wins and Draco gets punched in the face and wants nothing to do with anybody and like what an awful day that would be. I just think about the effort going along with that whole thing. Just in my head, it probably took longer to get from whatever common room you're in to, to the get page. all the way to the Quidditch yeah. Page. yeah. Like, I do not want to walk, however, probably a half an hour at least to get, especially if you're in one of the towers, going down all of those stairs through the castle, which is probably freezing all the way through the grounds, all the way then back up the stairs to get to the stand probably took at least a solid half an hour to only be sitting there for five minutes. This is why with yeah. Quidditch, that is way too much effort. They need to like have a thing where they introduce the snitch like a half hour into the game or mm, something like that. I don't know. Just that seems like a lot. What? Why? I don't know. It just seems like a long time. Because what happens when you have a game that goes on for seven days then? Well, yes, but that's, that's true. That's the Seeker's fault at that point. But, like, that's always yeah, going to be a possibility. A it's always going to be a possibility that the game goes on for seven days. But it's if you introduce the snitch 30 minutes into the game, you're never going to have a game that lasts only a minute. Like, this happens well, with... And the- then you could have it where a team could be up by, like, 170. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's so much luck to this, though. Too. I mean, that's why. Oh, there's no skill in Quidditch. That's why Quidditch as a as <laughs> a like a actual sport is. They made so many modifications to the original game from the books. I mean, there's a there's a there's skill in Quidditch, but some of that comes with skill because you're riding a broomstick and throwing <laughs> a ball with accuracy and throwing a ball and yeah, and you need to at least I think have Quidditch glasses. is all luck based on the seeker yeah i mean there's definitely yes and no if your chasers are really really good you can beat good teams even if they catch the snitch which is what ireland did but the problem with that quote world cup is it ended and ludo bagman went oh i wish it had been longer like it was a huge deal people were camping out there for like 10 days before they could go to the match yeah exactly like that's a lot of effort for something that can be literally 30 seconds or you know if the seekers, I don't know where the seekers have to line up, but if they can line up right next to where the snitch is going to be released, they can just put out their hand and catch it. I mean, but they can't because it. it... Well, doesn't the snitch get released first? Oh, that's right. It does. It does. Yes. But if you were tracking it the entire time, you can just shoot off and go grab it. But it's so small and it's fast. Yes. But that doesn't right. mean that well, you still can't do it in 30 seconds. should have good eyesight. Which Harry doesn't. <laughs> That's why he wears glasses. Yet he's a particularly good seeker. Indeed. It's because he has the corrected vision. He sees an optometrist. He needs Lasix. <laughs> so, yeah. Th- anyway, this five-minute game. Stupid. 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 I... Well, it's also funny because it takes a couple minutes for the fight to break out between Malfoy and Neville and Ron. 
It probably so took longer have... between the end of the game for the fight to break out than the actual but game. But that's the thing is it doesn't because Harry dives for the snitch right before Mal- like right before Ron snaps and punches Malfoy. So that fight was literally like a minute long. Well, and most most <laughs> and Malfoy got a black eye. Most actual fights are like 15 to 30 seconds before somebody's on the ground and the fight that's is true. over. Like That's true. That's a that's a movie in TV isn't that fights last a long time. Yeah. But it's just it's just funny to think about that like Neville got knocked out cold and Ron gave Malfoy a black eye in probably like less than a minute <laughs> also good for neville's for like stepping up and trying to help but also like stop being the worm of the story neville <laughs> oh but he takes i love how like he he like stands up for himself finally and my favorite is how ron is like so focused on harry and making sure harry's okay like he just kind of like waves it off like yeah you tell him neville good for you standing up for yourself <laughs> like it's just so He's just so blasé about it. It makes oh, it just makes you feel so bad for Neville. Meanwhile, Neville has and then major he just gets brain trauma. Right out. Yeah, he gets major brain trauma. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor Neville. We love him. You know, it, it parallels his stand in, in Deathly Hallows. You know, he stands up here, and then in Deathly Hallows, he kind of does the same thing, right? He stands up, and that time he wins. But this time, so, Crab and Goyle aren't there to do it because one of them's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <sighs> but you have some questions about the match, Allison? Yes, I do. I have many questions about this match. Because again, things don't add up. <laughs> and mostly that's because, so in, in book three, they've got this big deal that Wood keeps kind of like hounding Harry about where he's like, you have to wait until we're a certain number of points ahead to catch the snitch in order for us to be the first place. But here, it's just like, catch the snitch. We win the game. We overtake Slytherin. And I'm like, so what? We're like the points that small ahead of you? Like, what? Yeah. Yes, is the Someone answer. Someone help me here. Okay. The author's not the best at math. And based that. on no. of Quidditch, all of this does not understand sports. All of this stuff makes sense in terms of overtaking Slytherin. Okay, so Slytherin, in this book, lost to Gryffindor in the first match. So they have one loss. Then they say they thrash Ravenclaw in the next match. So now they have one win. Hufflepuff also lost, uh, loses in this match. And so what happens is, is Gryffindor goes in with one win and no losses. Slytherin has one win and one loss, but they scored a ton of points. So I think it, like Hufflepuff has another win or something like that. One of Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff's has one win as well. And then the other one has two losses. So, but because Slytherin scored so many more points, there's a tiebreaker. So any team that's one and one, whoever scored the most points is leading the table, so to speak, or the standings, which means that Slytherin's in the lead if everybody is one and one. So if Hufflepuff beats Gryffindor in this match and Gryffindor, and that would mean that Slytherin has the most points and they all have the same record except for... Yeah, no, all of them would have the same record. So, oh, so like how they break a tie is by if points like scored. Teams are have the same standings as who scored the most points. Yes, but the differential—it's the differential of points. So you have to be like, oh yeah, I have like fifty more points scored against the opponent. So that's that's where that comes from. So the, in book three, that's a lot of math. In book three, it's Gryffindor lost their first match. So, but they have they need to. But Slytherin also 
Slytherin has two wins and Gryffindor has one win and one loss. So if Slytherin loses, Gryffindor and Slytherin would have the same record, which is two and one. Two wins, one loss. And so they need to have a better point differential than Slytherin. So they have to beat them with, you know, nor they have to be up, what, six goals or something like that. Which is where that comes in. This feels like so much more complicated than it needs to be. It's really not. You just <laughs> you just have to look at a spreadsheet and it makes a lot of sense. If you look at something like the English... See, but- I don't think they Why have spreadsheets spread at Hogwarts. Because that's, what the st- that's how standings work. If you look at the English Premier League, um, they do a very similar system, the soccer the soccer thing in England. It, it It's the same thing. Like, you can see wins, losses, draws, and points for. Because if you end up with... I, I forget if they do points for or points against, but one of those two is a tiebreaker, if you have the same record. Huh. I wish Aurelia was here. Okay. She, she'd help me out. <laughs> I guess, Yeah. I just don't understand sports. That's okay. It's not, so over my head. Not all of us have it's to. Just, it's, the, it's the complicated back and forth stuff with like tournaments and not tournaments, but like that Standing. kind of stuff. Well, yeah, this, like, is, this is essentially a little round robin tournament. Everyone plays everyone and whoever yeah. comes out with the most points wins. And that confuses me. <laughs> but what confused everyone else at this match, <laughs> a segue. <laughs> I love coming up with segments. Um, Dumbledore like comes down to the pitch at the end and he like gives Harry a special pat on the back and he's like, good job, staying busy, not obsessing over the mirror. And again, <laughs> I keep thinking, I keep thinking about this chapter and things that happen from the outside. And Harry's probably like, wow, that was nice. And everyone else is like, what's happening there? Like, you know, like, why is Dumbledore giving this student special attention? Especially since he doesn't usually come to matches. And I mean, I get why Dumbledore's doing it, but I, again, I'm looking at the optics from the outside of this and just being like, there's so much that somebody on the outside of this would be like, what is going on at this school right well, now? Well, especially when Dumbledore ignores all the other students and literally tramples a couple on his way out, just totally doesn't notice them. <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels sometimes with Dumbledore. He like only looks at Harry. <laughs> Yeah. And also, like, why yeah. Why does Snape have to referee if Dumbledore's coming in the first place? Seriously, though. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Like, that Dumbledore could have just refereed it for himself. Would have been amazing. And I think that that's why earlier in the chapter, like, when they say that Dumbledore was at the match or that they saw Dumbledore at the match, Harry, like, lets out, like, a sigh of relief. Like, oh, I guess it's not so bad that Snape's here. If Dumbledore's going to be here, like, I know I'll be safe. But then, like, why bother having Snape referee to begin with that's my question is because i'm like all right they they set this thing up because of quirrell but if they knew dumbledore was going to be there anyway quirrell's not going to do anything in front of dumbledore right like I, also ugh, it just doesn't make sense if they know it's infuriating maybe they didn't know dumbledore would be there yeah maybe dumbledore only made a last minute decision because of the mirror but like still Man, Dumbledore refereeing still infuriating. Refereeing it would have been so funny, especially with that image of just his, him running around in the grass. I yeah. know, I love that, like him trying to like keep up <laughs> with it and like running back and forth, like with his wand in the air, lifting like, his that's, robes. That's just how to I see run it. With, right? with Birkenstocks on underneath, his beard just flapping in the wind. I know that's exactly it. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know Snape referees for plot reasons because he's the red herring, but. <laughs> 
just like this is so unfair yeah it's that the hufflepuff in me gets riled up and it's so unfair about us against gryffindor that the gryffindor in me is just like no no <laughs> it is there's there's a couple moments in sorcerer's stone like sorcerer's stone I, I feel is the book where there's the most contrived parts of writing are in it because this is like all right this makes no sense. It's, the, it's a first yeah. book. It's a debut. And that's fine. Yeah. It's just like, it, it literally makes no sense for Snape to be there. Yeah. It's very annoying. It's very annoying. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the match ends in five minutes and Rex is disappointed. <laughs> I, it's just a waste of time. It really is. Like Melanie said, <laughs> it takes like 30 minutes to get there. Right. And then and then Harry still doesn't have enough to like he feels like that's not enough time on his broom. So he just ends up like listfully in oh. the middle of winter, like keeps on his broom and suddenly follows Quirrell and Snape. Well, not not necessarily, right? He's he's going to this is another kind of inconsistency thing. He it says he's going to put his broom back in the broom shed. And I'm like, okay. I don't think we hear about this broom shed really ever again, ever again. Like Harry always keeps his broom in his dorm. I so, think we hear about it when the Nimbus 2000 breaks and he has to go get one of the school brooms in book three. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's of no broomstick. He keeps in his like in his chest. Dorm. Yeah. Yeah. In his trunk for the rest of the time. So I'm like, what is this like a conscious decision on Harry's part? He's like, I don't trust the broom shed. Now. Well, he has a firebolt eventually. Eventually, but... And the Firebolt is this hot commodity that someone's going to steal. I mean, maybe. We're at Hogwarts. They steal things at Hogwarts. I mean... I mean, but if someone else was flying around with a Firebolt, like, you would know that it's Harry's Firebolt. Like, you're going to steal Harry's Firebolt. I'm pretty sure... The only one probably being used at Hogwarts and just, like, keep it under your bed? Or do you, like, fly around with it at night and that's how you... You sell it you on the black it. market. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure McGonagall <laughs> would shoot down anybody who was on Harry's broom. Probably like, oh, you're ruining my chances of winning. The <laughs> get off the fire, Megalians. <laughs> and then you know we get to see Thestrals again. So that's it. All just comes back. Do you think Thestrals were in this scene? Yeah, I think they're just constantly trying to eat the people playing Quidditch. <laughs> And it's terrifying oh. for like the four students per grade level that can see it. And I love how we've talked about Thestrals this entire chapter, and that doesn't even show up for significantly four bucks. more um, than they might now. be in yes. this scene right now. They could be. I mean, maybe Dumbledore's just like you know merrily laughing as Thestrals you know attempt to. We don't have our bed sheets to know where the Thestrals are. <laughs> They're performing a ballet for everyone above the Quidditch pitch. That's why he came. It just happened to be scheduled on the same day. Thestro Ballet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but <laughs> what they should have done is the Thestral should have eaten the people that are talking in the forest. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, so yeah, so it's not like Harry's flying around still. He's he's going to put his broom back in the shed, and then he sees Snape walk out of the castle and he's like, suspicious. I thought he saw so- a hooded figure. Yes, but he recognizes the, it's, it's a limp, Snape. right? He's still got that limp. It's it's his like yeah, it's his walk. It's a gate. Yeah, which by the way, dang Harry. <laughs> yeah, you already recognize Snape's walk. Like, he really hates him. He's so obsessed with doing? Snape. It's his hair. Uh, <laughs> How does he get his hair so greasy? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's literally dripping. That's why he sees it. He sees grease dripping uh, out of the hood. Just the grease stains. <laughs> Staining the um, snow. So, so yeah. So he jumps on his broom to follow. And, well, before that, though, I have to give a shout out to this line where it says he'd really done something to be proud of now. No one could say he was just a famous name anymore. And I just, I love this moment. And I love what it does for Harry. I love that it gives him more self-confidence. Which I think he then takes with him and, and builds on that. Quidditch is great for Harry yeah. because it gives him a sense of self. And I love it. I love it. Going back to, to Snape for a second, it's amazing how good of an Occlumens Quirrell is. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Snape like like cannot get a feel for why this turban is on his head or a feel that like well, Voldemort is literally right there. Do you think right it's there. Quirrell or Voldemort? Do you think that you can Occlumens for somebody Ooh. else? Ooh, Just because they're sharing I think a head. Voldemort can since he's on Quirrell's head. Yeah, but does, does that work with brains like that? Also, where is Voldemort's brain? Somebody should have noticed that Quirrell's head looked like alien. That's why he has the turban to hide. Yes, but <laughs> yeah. All right. I just wonder where Voldemort's <laughs> brain is. Is it like somewhere near Quirrell's kidneys because there's extra room down there? Where are his organs? How is he alive? Magic. <laughs> we should ask a well doctor. Done. Yes. This is fantasy. <laughs> I forget. Soft fantasy. Not hard fantasy. Soft fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Snape asks Quirrell about if he knows how to get through the Beast of Hagrid's, who has a name that is Fluffy, um, making the reader <laughs> believe Snape wants the Sorcerer's Stone, and Quirrell is preventing Snape from receiving <laughs> what, it. What an odd question for someone who's like trying to prevent this. Hey, have you... Uh... Have you figured it out? Okay, cool. I guess you can keep teaching them because you don't know how to get past it. <laughs> like, what is the question for? If they know Quirrell's going for the Sorcerer's Stone, just, like, fire him. Why don't they move the stone? Yeah, for real. <sighs> That's a great question. Well, I have, like, I have so many feelings about it because there are so many moments, like, throughout the entire series where, like, if Dumbledore was just, like, honest with Harry then, I mean, we wouldn't have a book at that point, too, because, (laughs) you know, it's so much of the plot. But, like, if Dumbledore just sat him down and said, hey, remember that mirror that I told you about? Like, that is going to be the ultimate defense in the Sorcerer's Stone, which I know you know about the Sorcerer's Stone. The ultimate defense is this mirror. And the only way that anyone could ever get the stone is if they're going to not use the stone. So Quirrell which I know Quirrell is trying to get the stone, he could never possibly ever get the stone because he wants to use it. So literally don't go down. Literally, whatever you do, don't go down there. I've got it covered because he could never, ever, ever physically, magically on any planet get the stone because of this mirror. So don't worry about it. But you could. We've got a dog in the way. We've got got plants. I think this is Dumbledore. I still subscribe to the theory that Dumbledore is testing Harry a little bit here. I think the author alludes to and that. And he didn't I think I think he didn't think they had quite figured it all out by the time they went down there and that's why he left and then had to come back in a hurry. But 
I think he was still to some degree testing Harry. Maybe. And he was I, like, let's let's see what you made of, kid. Yeah, and I think some of that goes along with, too, like, what we were saying before about, like, Harry's still an 11-year-old little boy. Like, we, and it's often forgot yeah. about because they are made to mature so quickly throughout the series. But, like, Harry's just a little kid. And maybe, I guess in the same breath, maybe Dumbledore's like, oh, well, Harry's a little kid. How much trouble could he really get into? Like, it, it could be Definitely. a matter of that as well. Yeah, but, I don't know if he meant for him to, like, go after him or if he was like, let's see if he can just figure out what's happening yeah, what, here. What you, you know? going to do? What you going to do, kid? And then... They go after him and he's like, ah, oh, shoot, I messed this up. <laughs> <laughs> I underestimated this kid. If he's going to test Harry, there's a different way to do it other than like, oh, oops, Fluffy ate Harry. Oh, oops, Devil Snare strangled Harry. Oh, oops, Harry crashed <laughs> his broom and died with keys attacking him. Oh, oops, this <laughs> troll murdered Harry. Oh, oops, the queen stabbed Harry through the chest. Oh, oops, Harry drank poison. Oh, oops, Voldemort murdered Harry. Like, like there's so many stages See, of, like, I don't, death for Harry. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't think he thought he would make it past Fluffy. But that's... Or if not past Fluffy, past... <laughs> I don't think he could make it past Fluffy. So you're just going to let him die? Yeah, we're raising him to slaughter, Snape. No! No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and the series ends. <laughs> um... <laughs> I I think it, the testing part is more. Can Harry figure out what's going on when he has these few little oh, bits of information? So you think it's like an academic conversation like, where Dumbledore—he's going to go to Dumbledore yeah. as soon as he figures out where the stone is to be like, "Hey, Dumbledore, yeah. the stone." And he's like, "All right, don't worry about it." And then Melanie's whole thing about like, "Hey, don't go down. Yeah. We're fine." Would come yeah. into play. Why not? Why not? So Dumbledore just saw someone in Gryffindor and went, "Oh no, they'll come talk to me first." <laughs> it's harry specifically harry <laughs> i don't okay so here's this is my other like major harry dumbledore like tangent is uh i will disclose that i am not a fan of order of the phoenix it's my least favorite book in the Boo. series and, Boo. And, uh, and and that is because of this whole concept of like dumbledore slash not trusting or trying to protect Harry, whatever it is. So he just withholds information from Harry. And I am a firm believer that if Dumbledore just told him the truth, Sirius would still be alive because oh, Harry wouldn't have gone to go touch the prophecy that oh, if only Harry touched it, like, yeah. could it be understood? You know, so very I feel like that Dumbledore. same it's that same concept. So it's like Dumbledore, I guess, however many years later four or five years later like still doesn't know oh wait a second harry's that kid that's going to be trying to figure things out which i know because in sorcerer stone his first year <laughs> like in the first book you know i thought maybe he'd come to me and tell me that he figured everything out but he doesn't and he doesn't in order of the phoenix either so I don't know. Dumbledore, there's just like a few, just a few little holes there, man. You know. Too much trust, maybe. I, I agree, though. I mean, it, there's so much. It, Dumbledore's decision in Order of the Phoenix seems in character because of his decision in Sorcerer's Stone. But they are very right. silly yeah. decisions. I think it's Dumbledore essentially saying, like, I don't trust Harry to not give away this information. Because 
And but but it's not even that even because he says later on, right? He says I cared about you too much, so I was keeping a distance, which I still think is like broski. I, I think that's like, no, I think he don't I think this. that's a cop out. Honestly, I don't know that Dumbledore's being hundred percent truthful. Yeah. Then mm, I think he. Is. I know that a lot of people take that. I a lot of people take that as him being truthful, but I he mentions like you know Voldemort was right behind those eyes. I didn't want to give him too much information. Like I think that there's a lot more going on than just I care about you. Well, I mean, yeah, but I think especially, I don't know. So, yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> there is a great line here, though, that you mention with uh, Snape yes. and Quirrell, which is also an awesome Alan Rickman line. It's it's a brilliant bit of writing, and I think it's it's a tricky thing to do when you're writing. And I say this as someone who is right now trying to write a conversation similar to this, <laughs> where your character overhears something and misinterprets it. And, you know, you're trying to get that double meaning in there, but this whole conversation and the, uh, the, the double meanings here, uh, I mean, you get the decide where your loyalties lie, which can be taken either way. You get this brilliant bit where this owl hoots and Harry like almost falls out of the tree. And so he misses a crucial part of the conversation and doesn't even think about that, though. And so he comes to the wrong conclusions. It's just, it's good. <laughs> it is really good. And these are so, these are not easy scenes to write because, I mean, you got to, you, obviously you have to lay the groundwork before and you have to like, uh, to get the double meaning and, uh Could mean an owl. So much. But I also laughed a little bit when he says you're hocus pocus because, you know. <laughs> It's just a bunch of Hocus Pocus, which is the only Halloween movie that matters. I hard disagree so. there, but yes, Hocus Pocus always makes me yeah, laugh. Hocus Pocus 2 was iconic. It was so good. Ooh, I did not like it at all. I thought it was Boo. terrible. I loved it. I booed people twice now in this podcast. No, Hocus Pocus 2, don't even bother. Uh-uh. Someone who I'm not going to boo, though, is Melanie, who's been an absolute fantastic guest. Thank you, Melanie, for being on the show. Yes. Aw, thanks, guys. It was an absolute pleasure being on with you. Do you have anything to plug? Like, where can we find your podcast, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Dialogue Alley podcast is part of the MuggleNet family of podcasts. Woo! So you can Hooray! always find us on MuggleNet.com. But you could find our podcast directly on Instagram at Dialogue Alley podcast. Or you could just go to DialogueAlley.com or any podcast hosting locations. You just type in Dialogue Alley and there we are. Lovely. Awesome. Perfect. And thanks again for being on the show. It was really great. Thank you, guys. It was great having you, Melanie. And our next episode will be about the movie soundtracks. I'm so, like, devastated I'm not going to be on this Ooh. episode. Allison, but you're recording all the soundtracks in voice so we can put it on the podcast. Didn't they tell you? Of course I am. <laughs> I'm going to sing it all. I can't wait. Yes. I can't wait for you to no, do the kidding. night bus sound. <laughs> 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 And for you to do the drums when uh, the hippogriff takes off. <laughs> I, okay, I can't remember. <laughs> do, 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 do. 
I know the rest of that track because that's a great one. Anyway, <laughs> but if you want to be on the show in one of our upcoming episodes, go to our website, alohomorapodcast.com and choose be on the show. Follow those instructions. Send us your audition. You just need a microphone and a pair of headphones. We'll walk you through the rest if you are chosen to guest host. And make sure while you're on the website, visit that topic submit page. We are starting to look at our topics for the new year very soon. So get those in so that we can uh, talk about what you want to hear us talk about on our future episodes. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at MN. You can also find us on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash alohamora. And we're fa- on Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. And call us, leave us a voicemail. Maybe we'll show it on the show or on our website. And please leave us a five-star review. We like them. We enjoy five-star reviews because we read them. If you have another review, do it. We'll read it, and it helps us improve the show. Uh, Go to our website at alohomorapodcast.com and email us at alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to pick up The Unofficial Harry Potter Companion, Volume 1, that you can find all over the place as well um, while you're looking for stuff with that. Don't forget about that. And we want to thank our good friend, David Butt, for sponsoring this episode. Yay! Thank you, David. Yay! And remember that you can get an ad-free version of the show. You can join our group, Dumbledore's Office. Episode sponsoring, exclusive clips, bonus episodes, so much more. Uh, We probably have a little Patreon bit (laughs) that's going to get cut out of this episode. Uh, You just need to head over to patreon.com slash alohomora and sponsor us for as little as $2 a month for all of these awesome things. And with that, after this very short chapter, this is such a short chapter, (laughs) we are going to fly off on our, our own broomsticks to see what we can find. And with that, I'm Allison. I'm Sam. And I'm Rex. Thank you for listening to episode 362 of Alohomora. Pretend to break your leg. Open the Dumbledore and really break your leg. <laughs> Madam Pomfrey, where are you? <laughs> Someone call her. Someone get her here. <laughs> Allison broke her leg. <laughs> Where's Dumbledore? <laughs> All right. we, we're going to miss the match. We don't know how long it's going to be. Come on, Allison. (laughs) Five minutes. (laughs) Alohomora is produced by Tracy Dunstan and edited by Patrick Muselek. It was co-created by Noah Freed and Kat Miller and is brought to you by APWBD LLC. The Gryffindor team is horrified to hear that Snape will be... Let me try that again. The Gryffindor team is her. Oh, Curified. Words Curified the hair, the snape is referred so to next merch. It's, it's that kind of day. <laughs> the Gryffindor team is horrified to hear that Snape will be re- <laughs> refereeing. You I just want to sp- say scared. I spelled that wrong. You, you oh, you spelled I spelled it, it wrong. You you referring. That's a lie there. I, I am. really hope oh, that he refers to the next Oh, it's refereeing, not referring. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Snape, we'll be referring to the next match, all classes, until it happens. Hey, uh, Gryffindor Hufflepuff's coming up. Hope Harry dies. I mean, sorry. <laughs>
how do I even spell there's, this? There's there's a bunch. Just add random e's. e's. I, just, I don't know where as many go, but there's like seven thousand. Refereeing. I told you I was I was fixing my dishwasher last night, and then it was late, and my brain was I, not working. Anyway, let's try this for like the fifth time. 